The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the safe sleep guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr. Fallon and Dr. Law acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respects to their elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Brand New Little People, the podcast where we talk about all things early parenting with a bit of an extra focus on sleep and settling. I'm Dr. Fallon Cook and I'm here with my colleague, Dr. Laura Conway. How are you going, Laura? I'm good, thanks, Fallon. Trying not to melt today. How about you? Oh, it's so hot, isn't it? You're going to hear my noisy kids in the background again this week because they're desperate to go out on the trampoline. They want to set the sprinkler up under the trampoline. (laughs) They're like, hurry up and finish the podcast. We want to go on the trampoline. So you might hear some annoyed stomps running past my door. (laughs) That's okay. It's um, really... um, is just a real emphasis for us to get through as many of these wonderful questions as we can as succinctly for our listeners as possible um, and as succinctly for your children as possible so they can get out on the trampoline. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And look, I wanted to start this week by talking about one thing that I just want to remind everyone to put into your nappy bag before you go out for a bit of a walk with the kids. Um, In the last week, I found out that you you, know, you might remember from last year that I had a very minor skin cancer on my nose that had to be removed. Um, and I've just found out in the last week that it's actually still there. And so I've got to go in for a slightly more involved surgery next month. So it will mean a few things will change. I won't be quite as available as I normally am for appointments um, and we'll keep you updated across that. But it got me thinking, Laura, about like, how did I end up with this thing happening to me? Because I'm very, very careful with sun safety. Um, Mm. And I think so much of it comes from when my kids were little. Um, The priority was always just to get them out the door, to have their hats Mm -hmm. on, to have their sunscreen on. And so often you fly out the door and then you've been out walking for half an hour and you think, oh, I haven't got a hat on, I've forgotten my sunscreen. Mm. Um, I'm probably sounding like a total grandma right now, but <laughs> it is just that important because, you know, I'm about to go through this yeah. thing where it's going to be painful. There's going to be a quite lengthy recovery. It's so unpleasant to think about having to go through these things. Um, so I was just going to say that, you know, pop your hat, pop your sunscreen in your nappy bag so you always have it on hand um, because you can can't mm. you know you can't pour from an empty cup you've got to be well yourself to do a great job at parenting um but I know that when my kids were little that was something I just didn't even think about it was just them 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 um and yeah. I wouldn't would put myself last and I think that's really common for so many parents um so yeah, yeah I think so yeah get that hat get the sunscreen and just make it a bit of a habit um Laura what were your must-haves for your nappy bag when your kids were little um well when my second born came along again listeners um from last year may recall that my second born had reflux um and he had projectile vomiting um until we got it all under control um and once i had an experience of going out with him being vomited all over and not having a change of clothes (laughs) from then on (laughs) 
I always had a change, at least a different top that I would just have in a little plastic bag inside the nappy bag. And it just lived there. Um, and if there was a vomit over me or as the kids got older, if there were sticky hands and uh, Mm. <laughs> some melon or some chocolate or whatever yogurt squirted over me I could at least do a quick change of tops put the yes. dirty one into the plastic bag and put the clean one on and such it a was, good idea um, yeah it was just so necessary and for those listeners who do have really spewy babies um, you probably are empathizing right now um, and similar to what you were saying Fallon about the hat and the sunscreen often you'd have spare clothes for your baby and your toddler mm. in your nappy bag and you might forget about your own well-being um, but there's nothing very nice about walking around with your top stuck to you oh, <laughs> because it's adhered with <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I think as so, parents yes. we've got to remember that sometimes you've got to put yourself first as well it's really important mm. that you've got what you need um Oh, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. Um, I can't believe how many questions we've had sent in over the past week, Laura. There's a lot and yeah. some really good questions this week. Um, should we dive in maybe with Sarah first? Um, mm. Do you want to read out Sarah's question? Yeah. So we received a lovely email from Sarah, who has a two-year-old boy. And Sarah says, firstly, I would like to thank you both so much for creating the Sombell program and for giving so many parents the confidence we needed to say no to the social trends mm. and current sleep training approaches that we are made to feel are necessary for our children's development. It is so refreshing to have a science-backed, gentle approach to assist our little people with their sleep. That's Aww. lovely to hear. Thank you, yeah, Sarah. I love that feedback. That's lovely. Yeah. And she gave us some other lovely feedback, but in the interest of time, we won't read it all out. But really, just a heartfelt thanks from us, Sarah. Um, yeah, it thank really, you. Um, yeah, it really makes us feel that um, we are addressing a, um, a real issue for lots of parents out there when we um, get such lovely emails. Mm. So on to Sarah's questions. Um, so she's got quite a few. So her first question, she says, I have for a while now been capping my two-year-old son's nap to one hour, aiming for a midday to 1 p.m. nap. But over the last couple of weeks, this has been very challenging to get him to sleep. And some nights, after quite a while of sitting in the room with him, he is resisting falling asleep until 8.30 or even 8.45 p.m. My question is, should I first try to cap his nap to half an hour or just try cutting it out altogether? What do you mm. think, Fallon? Yeah, I get this question a lot in the clinic. Definitely, um, yeah, it sounds like he is needing less day sleep. So good call, Sarah. Um, before you cut the nap entirely, I would try trimming that nap down to maybe about 30 minutes or so. Um, sometimes that means that you get to keep the nap maybe an extra month or two, um, and then you'll find that you just have to get rid of it altogether. Um, so, yeah, definitely try trimming mm. it first. Yeah, and then um, and then drop it all together. If when you mm. drop it all together, you're finding that it is a bit hard to get him all the way until bedtime, always remember your get out of jail free card. You can give him a little power nap in the afternoon, just of about 15 minutes to get him through until bedtime. But if you trim his nap first, um, you might well not need to do that. Mm. Yep. Um, all right. So Sarah's next question is about how to go about 
stopping co-sleeping. So she writes, her son will usually wake after two hours, this is at night, and I will then bring him into our bed and we'll co-sleep for the rest of the night. We would like to transition him into a new bedroom and from a cot to a toddler bed. Should we be working on getting him to stay in his cot overnight first and stopping the co-sleeping before making the huge transition to a new room, a new bed, after co-sleeping for so long? Or could a fresh, new, happy and safe sleep environment be beneficial and assist with the transition? Such a good question. Yeah, it's a fantastic Mm. one. The order you do things in can make all the difference. I 100% would say if you try to move him to a cot and he's in your room and can see your bed, it's not going to go well Mm -hmm. because he wants to be in your bed um, and it's going to be within sight. He's going to feel very frustrated. So I would go with the whole idea of kind of new room, new rules. Um, I'd move him Mm -hmm. into that new room and it might be that you sleep in there with him because it is so different for him to not have you nearby. It could be that you move him to the cot but it's in his own room and you set up your spare bed right beside the cot so you can show him that you're there to support him as he gets used to that new room um Mm. yeah so sometimes that new room new rules just means they're much less upset by the change it's like a lot of Mm -hmm. parents will say to us won't they laura that we went on holiday and they actually slept really well and they didn't want to come and co-sleep at 4 a.m they just Mm. kind of slept through and that's because they don't really know what to expect in that new environment so it gives you that chance to kind of set up some new kind of rules or boundaries um, that you want to set up around bedtime and where they sleep Mm. Yeah, and I would be suggesting if he's not trying to climb out of his um, cot and he isn't too big for his cot, um, that um, when you do move him to his own room, um, keep him in the cot initially um, and you can sleep alongside him. Um, but if he is in a cot rather than in the um, in a toddler bed, he's less likely to try to climb in with you because he can't because he's in the cot. Um, and so do that transition first. Um, and then when he's sleeping all through the night in his cot and not coming in with you, um, would I'd probably be suggesting doing some kind of um, a fade out approach so that you... Um, help him learn to sleep in his room by himself in the cot and once um, he's Mm. doing that then you can look to move him to the toddler bed yeah yep or if he's Mm. starting to climb out of his cot and you think you're really just ready to go for the toddler bed um it could even be that you look into something like the co-sleeping fade out approach where you actually start out sleeping in that bed with him in his new room and then you gradually reduce your presence so there's a couple of things to look Mm. at there yeah Um, So Sarah's third question is, um, my son still has a bottle as part of his sleep routine, which is something I would like to wean from. He chews on it until he falls asleep. Should I be working hard to try and avoid this, as I'm guessing it's becoming a new sleep association for him? Should I cut out the bottle altogether whilst we work on self-settling or just hold the boundary of giving it back to me once he is finished? Oh, this is another brilliant question. Look, I would say, um, so chewing on the bottle, he's going to have a lot of teeth by now and we don't, you know, accidents can happen. Little bits of the um, the teeth can come away and can pose a choking risk. I'd say make that your first priority, Sarah. Um, before you change anything about how or where he settles, um, just practice not having the bottle as part of that routine um, because then you can still give him as much support as you want to fall asleep without having had that bottle. Once 
once he's used mm-hmm. to not having a bottle, he's no longer expecting it, then do the room change and, and change up how you're settling at that point. It might be a bit much to mm-hmm. do it all in one go. I think he'd probably find that um, a bit overwhelming potentially. Yeah, and I think then, um, Fallon, you have answered Sarah's final question, which is basically which order should I do everything in because she doesn't want to overwhelm her little mm. boy. Um, so the um, stopping giving him the bottle at bedtime is the first step. Um, and um, then um, work on reducing the nap duration, then move him into his own bedroom um, and either... Um, in the cot or in the toddler bed like we've spoken about Um, and then hopefully you'll be through and before you know it you're going to have a little two-year-old who's sleeping in a toddler bed in his own room without relying on the bottle and without relying on you so that would be fantastic yeah Yeah, absolutely and I love Sarah that you're really yeah giving lots of support and really having a good think through how to do it I think the parents who do that initial thinking and planning before they dive in are the parents who tend to have success with it because they've really thought through Mm. what their child can likely manage it at any one time um so yeah that's really sensible and that um Sarah's got the the Sunbell for Toddlers program it's got lots of um, different strategies for the cot or for toddlers who are in beds um so there's plenty mm. to choose from um, depending on your own situation. Um, Laura, we also had um, some questions sent in from Bridget, who also started with some really lovely feedback. So she said, <laughs> um, firstly, I'd like to thank you both from the bottom of my heart for your sensible, evidence-based and practical approach. She says, I'm so glad I stumbled upon Sombal. When I realised I could actually do something to improve my baby's poor sleep, it felt like a weight had lifted off my shoulders. It all became so much easier to cope with when I knew there was something practical I could do and strategies that we could work towards. I love oh, that. Fantastic. <laughs> That's so yeah, nice to hear, too. Bridget. Well done. And she says, since starting Sombal, they've successfully tackled um, cot settling, um, early wake-ups and transitioning down to two naps per day. So you've been very busy, Bridget. Well done. That's really mm, fantastic. Yeah, really good. Yeah, so Bridget asks, um, she says, I'm wondering if there comes a time where the sharp drop in daily sleep needs starts to slow down. She says, we've seen her reduce her sleep needs by two hours over the past two months. And if she keeps going at this rate, she'll soon need less sleep than me. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit of a shock. You know, they drop their sleep needs. Some Some of them do it really gradually over that first year. And for others, it's like they're on a roller coaster and they suddenly drop off a cliff. Um, Look, it's really hard to say what your baby will do, Bridget. Um, But if they've dropped down a couple of hours, look, my guess would be that it probably won't be dropping off a cliff anytime soon. You might just now see Mm. a really gradual reduction in sleep needs. But for some babies, they've gotten to where they're going to be and they just sit on that sleep need for years. Mm -hmm. So it is really hard to know. Um, But yeah, hopefully you'll get a bit of a rest from the roller coaster for a while. Um, yeah. And Laura Bridget also wanted to know how to manage activities that fall during nap time. So should she tweak the schedule on the day of these activities or would that throw things out too much? What's your advice? Yeah, good good question, Bridget. Um, I would say that if you were working hard on trying to help your daughter fall into a new schedule, um, just for the couple of weeks that you're trying to um, help um, her fall into a new um, nap rhythm and a new bedtime and wake up. 
just avoid doing those activities um, for a couple of weeks. It's just not worth it um, when you're trying to help your baby or toddler fall into a new um, rhythm. It's just not worth it to um, hold on to those activities just for a week or two um, because it really takes that amount of time for a baby's circadian rhythm to um, adjust and for the baby to get used to that new rhythm. Once um, you have the daily schedule established, and Bridget, it may be that um, you already do, because you said that you've already worked on transitioning to the two naps a day. So um, if it is already nicely established, then it really doesn't matter um, if for a day a week um, you do something slightly different um, for the um, activities that are clashing with nap time. So you might look at either letting your baby have the nap in the car on the way to the activity um, so that um, she has a little bit of a sleep before music or swimming or whatever it is that you're doing um, or you push her um, until um, after the activity and then she might have a really nice long nap in the car on the way home for example um, a lot of it will also come down to your baby's temperament um, some babies are just so chilled out that it really doesn't um, matter that much if there's variability from day to day whereas others and we see lots of them in our clinics um, are um, a little bit more rigid in how they like things to be done um, and Bridget your baby will soon show you um, what type of personality she has and whether she's able to tolerate those um, uh, fluctuations um, you know once or twice a week um, mm. to fit those activities in and then you'll be able to make the call whether it's worth it or not. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree with that, Laura, yeah. definitely. Um, Bridget also mentions that her baby is a real squirmer and when she's in the cot, she flops from side to side, flaps her arms, she rolls onto her tummy <laughs> and then back onto her back and all over the place and then she eventually falls asleep in a very awkward position. Bridget says, when I try to move her back to a comfortable position, she screams and I have to start the settling process all over again. Is it okay to just leave her in the original position? It looks uncomfortable and I'm more worried about her sleeping on her belly but she can roll both ways um i just feel like maybe she forgets how to do this in her sleep is what bridget says what do you think laura mm. i mean given she's rolling both ways it's probably not too big of a worry yeah i think um bridget's baby is about eight and a half months old um and is sounds to be physically quite competent rolling tummy to back back to tummy um so when that is the case we can be a little bit more um relaxed about tummy sleeping um of course it will be super important even more important now that um, she is rolling around to ensure that the cot is safe and there's no extra things in the cot um mm. that she might um, suffocate on so definitely no cot bumpers no soft toys um, and um, no loose bedding um, that she can get herself all tied up into. Um, as long as you're popping her to sleep on her back, um, then leave her to it. And if mm. she is falling asleep in an awkward position and really doesn't sound like she is that happy about it when you try and reposition her, then just um, for everybody's sake, just leave her to it yeah. she will soon learn to um, start to get herself into a nice comfortable position yes. um, as she goes off to sleep and this will be a thing of the past mm, did you have anything age. else that you would say 
Yeah, often at this age, they're really finding their favourite sleep position. And once they figure it out, you'll find you'll put her down and she'll just kind of get in that position and, and she'll be good. And there'll be much less squirming happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I think that we're done there with Bridget's questions. So we'll move on to Amanda's. Um, so Amanda has said, thank you so much for all the evidence-based information in Sombell. Such a valuable resource. Oh, thank you, Amanda. Yeah, thank you. So Amanda has a question regarding her eight-month-old sleep. Um, since she was six and a half months old, she has generally only been having one nap a day. Mm. I'm wondering if this is not age appropriate, as she can get very grumpy and tired a few hours before bed in the evening. She sleeps for 13 hours a day on average, goes to sleep at around 7.30pm and wakes between 5 and 6.30am. She puts herself to sleep and sleeps through the night. Her nap is around 10.30 and ranges from an hour and a half to three and a half hours. I've tried putting her to bed earlier for her nap at around 8.30am and then waking her up after 45 minutes to an hour. However, she'll then sometimes not have another nap at all, oh gosh, or has a late second nap around 4 p.m. I've tried offering her a power nap in the afternoon, but she refuses this. I'm not sure if I should just stick to one nap a day or whether I should keep trying for two naps. Mm. Wow, Amanda. Yeah, I love this email, Amanda, um, for yeah. a number of reasons. But the main one, and I'm sure Fallon, you would be feeling the same way, is that this email goes to the heart of how different sleep can be from one baby to the next. Absolutely. I think there are people who would yeah. just be horrified that an eight-month-old, mm -hmm. or you know, she was six months old when she started doing it, um, would only have one day nap. But you don't need to be. This is the thing. We've all yeah. kind of heard all this age-appropriate advice, but some babies don't care less about the rule book. They throw it out mm. the window and they do what they want to do. So the key things you're always looking at is, is this a happy, well-rested baby? You know, it sounds mm -hmm. like she's, I mean, Amanda's not mentioning that she's an absolutely hideous screaming mess. <laughs> it sounds like no. this little baby has found a rhythm that really works well for her um, and mm -hmm. she's coping well with it. So, you know, you, you don't really need to change anything. Other things I'd be thinking about, are, you know, is she not having her second nap because she doesn't know how to self-settle? But we know that's not the case because she puts mm -hmm. herself to sleep and she sleeps through the night. Um, yeah. So it sounds like, Amanda, you've got a really good sleeper on your hands in that she's really quite independent with her sleep and settling. She's sleeping through the night. She's eight months old. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think it's fine just to let her keep going with that sort of natural daily rhythm that she's found herself in. Um, you know, I mean, mm. absolutely, if you really, really wanted to push for two naps, you could try. And that would mean probably um, capping that first nap at 30 or 40 minutes and then trying later in the day for another short nap. Um, it sounds like that could be very difficult, but you could try it if you really wanted to. Mm. I'd probably suggest mm -hmm. maybe putting her in the car or the pram to really try and make that second nap happen. Um, if you'd prefer mm. to do that. Um, but I don't think there's any reason you really have to. I don't think you should feel like you've mm -hmm. got to try and do two naps um, if you've got a happy baby yeah. on your hands. But I agree, Laura. This is such a brilliant question because it is. It's a, it just highlights that there are going to be 
babies and toddlers who do something wildly different from the rest, but they're perfectly yes. fine. You know, this baby's getting 13 hours of sleep per 24 hours, which is great. Yeah, that's the average, um, you know, and is otherwise doing really well. So, yeah, I, yeah. I just, yeah, thanks for sitting in the question, Amanda, because I think it's, it's just a really good one to highlight that not every baby does the same thing. Yeah, and don't stress, Amanda, um, you're potentially hearing from other people that their um, babies are napping more during the day or having more naps during the day and you might be worried about it. And, you know, because this is such an outlier, what's happening with your eight-month-old sleep is very unusual. We wouldn't even have um, described sleep like that in Sombell, would we, mm, Fallon? So we, no. wouldn't, we wouldn't be saying anywhere in Sombell that some eight-month-olds only have one nap um but just because we're not writing it in there doesn't mean that it doesn't happen um and mm. it's just very very unusual but she sounds like she's really happy apart from a little bit of grumpy just before bed that's fine that's normal even babies who are having two naps a day at eight months will be a little bit grumpy just before bed um so mm. you're doing a great job amanda no need to change anything unless you really really want to um but it sounds like yeah. she's thriving so good on yeah. you yeah and we could keep in mind too that there will be babies that fall on that complete opposite end of that spectrum of sleep needs where there might be an eight month old who actually needs 15 or 16 hours of sleep and they might be having three decent length naps every day and sleeping yes. all night as well and that's just yes. their normal so yeah, yeah. It, there's such a huge range of normal out there so mm -hmm. yeah no you're doing a great job yeah. Amanda that's a great question um, Laura, we had Bonnie and Dan email in as well. They said, we're new Sombal members and we're so excited to get into the program. Um, they wanted to know, do we have any recommendations for children who fit each of the three cot settling techniques best? She says, obviously, we would like quick results. So we were thinking about the accelerated approach, but their 18 month old has always been cuddled to sleep and basically co-sleeps all the time. So is that too much of a big change um, for their toddler? What do you think, Laura? Mm. Well, um, good question. In our... Um fact sheets for each of the um, cot settling techniques that um, we describe for toddlers, we do actually state um, who those techniques might be mm. best suited to. Yeah, it's in the lesson, actually, yeah. in the lesson about halfway oh, down okay. through. You'll be able to find that one. Yeah. So you will be able to have a little look and see... Um, uh, go through each of those cot settling techniques, um, have a look at those lessons and see whether um, when you read who it's suited for, if any of them particularly resonate with you. Um, and that might help you decide whether you want to go with a more gradual approach or whether you want to go with a quicker approach. Um, so mm. your 18 month old has always been hugged to sleep and co-sleeps all the time. So you might find that... Um, you want to use a more gradual approach for for you and your partner so that you feel like you're giving your 18 month old um, a lot of support and just slowly wean off that support. But equally, um, mm. you do actually say you'd like quick results. There's a, you're not yeah. going to be doing any harm at all. If you go with the accelerated approach, you're going to be um, staying right by your um, the side of your 18 month old. Um, and it's still very, very supportive. Um, and you would mm. just see the results much quicker. Um, you're going to see yeah. results within about three days if you go with the quicker approach. What yeah. would you add to that, Fallon? 
Look, I think, you know, in the clinic, so often when I talk through the different settling options with families, they often do decide on the accelerated approach simply because they feel that their toddler will adapt better to one big, well-supported change. Very, very well-supported when you use that accelerated approach. Um, mm. you know, rather than with the gradual approaches, we're essentially making lots of tiny little changes across potentially several weeks. And some toddlers mm-hmm. will have none of that. <laughs> they are yes. furious. <laughs> at any tiny change so you may as well just kind of weather their fury for one big change um you know offer them lots of support knowing that two or three days later they're going to have adjusted to that big change um and that you've supported them well through it so if you want the quick results um absolutely go for it give it a try you know you've got Mm. other options to try if it's not going well yeah Mm. um she uh, bonnie and dan have another question um as well that says so i think it's bonnie who's written the question she says i'm the only one who can put my toddler to sleep at the moment should we alternate nights or should i just do the settling i want both of us to be able to settle her um she used to go down for um her husband um but now that has changed recently um yeah look i I would really be um thinking to yourselves we are the parents and we're the ones who um really decide what's going to happen with the settling since you want both um yourself and dan to be able to do the settling then look at how you're going to split up the settling and divide it between the pair of you if you go with that advanced technique you might look at splitting the night into shifts so that bonnie you might do the first half of the night and dan does the second half of the night for example um or you literally tag team um you you know you would both be sitting in there with your 18 month old on a chair and one of you gets up goes over to reassure your 18 month old at the end of the interval sits back down and then when the interval's up the other one goes over and so forth what we Mm. want is for your toddler to see that it doesn't matter who it is who's doing the settling that you both do exactly the same thing um so in that way your 18 month old isn't going to think oh i prefer mum over dad because mum pats me for a bit longer or mum picks me up for a cuddle uh, and dad doesn't so you'll find that they will adapt much more quickly as well when you and dan do exactly the same thing Mm, absolutely i'll always say to parents as well have a think about you know if one of you is just not going to cope with making these changes you just think i i can't make these changes and i know that my toddler will settle quicker for you know their other parent or you know, take that into account too, because there are lots of families where um, it often seems to be the dads. The dads take on the first night or two of settling and then mm. the mums come in and start to share it and they gradually form that more equal balance. Um, do what's going to work best for you and what you think you can you can manage. Um, but absolutely, I agree with you, Laura, that you want to get to that point where it doesn't matter who settles them, they know that the settling happens the same way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we have Elsa uh, too. Do you want to read it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can read out Elsa's question. Um, so she says she's got questions about her eighth-month-old baby. She wants to know what might indicate that it's too soon to progress with the second stage of the slow-fade approach for cot settling. Um, Elsa says after two weeks of sleep association building, um, she says they progressed to the first stage of cot settling with five minutes of padding in the cot. 
On the second day, she says, we had one successful cot settle for a morning nap, but after a few days, with each subsequent attempt to settle at bedtime or a nap, their baby had seemingly become increasingly upset and had gone straight to what they have always understood was her distress cry, which sounds like shrieking um, and sort of different to normal crying. Um, Elsa says she often can't calm down from this when cuddled um, and would really have to be held by um, by Elsa to calm back down. Elsa says mm. when she gets into this mode, it will also take some time latched on for her to calm down. Um, we thought we might try this to modify the slow fade approach to a glacial fade. <laughs> I like that term. <laughs> and try to first establish unlatching her while awake. Um, but for the last few days, this has also resulted in the same cry and inability to calm. So Elsa would like to know, are we misinterpreting the crying and do we need to keep persisting with the cot settling or the unlatching first? Um, or is this an indication that we should actually slow down, wait a week and then restart again? This is such a good question. And you know where I'm going to go with this answer, Laura. I would say definitely <laughs> yeah. persist because if sometimes yeah. you're not persisting with that cot settling, maybe you try it a bit and then you pick her up and do something different, that will cause a big increase in crying because she'll be thinking, oh, it works. Yeah. I just have to cry really hard and then mum and dad do mm -hmm. something different. Um, but what would you add to that, Laura? Yeah, I would say at eight months of age, um, we if we're thinking about what's actually happening for your baby when you're using a really gradual approach to settle her in the cot you're right there beside her um with your hands on her and then picking her up for cuddles at um you know after a certain period of time you can be really confident that for an eight month old baby with you right there beside her she's not distressed mm. she's not um, feeling scared or frightened or wondering where you are or um, she wouldn't be hungry. She's unlikely to be physically uncomfortable because um, we're assuming you're a loving parent, you've you're bought some bell and you want to do the best for your baby so she's going to be dressed appropriately. Um, so in that case, we can rule out um, some of those reasons for the crying, like the shrieking crying that you're describing, which might be something that we, um, which we wouldn't be able to rule out as confidently in smaller babies, where we really do need to, you know, if we're thinking very little babies in the first few months, we really need, um, we can't be sure that they're, uh, they're not hungry or cold, etc. And we must respond to those cries really quite quickly. Mm. But at eight months of age, um, I think she's that mad. you can be really... <laughs> she's mad. Yeah. She's yeah. not she's anything cranking. else. She's, she's thinking, what are you else? doing? This is not how we do it. <laughs> I think it's so often the case yeah. that they're, they're not scared or worried. They're just, they're just mad as hell. They're cranky. Yeah. And... Yeah, it just takes some persistence to help them adjust and it can feel really uncomfortable, I think. A lot of parents feel really uncomfortable with this, that when they reach that yeah. eight-month mark, they do a lot of crying because they're working out how the world works around them. Um, so they're testing mm. out what happens when I let out this almighty shriek, you know, and if mm. everyone jumps up in a big panic and starts to do different things, then, yeah, sometimes they think, great, I'm going to keep doing that. Did you see how they moved and what they did? <laughs> so it's, oh, yes. it's so challenging. Yeah for parents it really is hard it's really hard so I'd be thinking about going back and reading the section in Sombell about the psychology of sleep Elsa mm. so that you and your partner can 
um, just re refresh your memory and get a deeper understanding about what might be going on when you're popping your baby down and you're trying to settle her in the cot. Um, and then also think about how you can protect yourself from the very visceral reaction that we as mums mm. can have to our babies crying. Because, you know, Fallon and I are mums as well, as all yeah, the listeners we know. Get it. Um, we get it. It's mm. very hard and you can have, a, it feels very physical sometimes, the reaction that you have to crying, um, particularly when it has been going on for so long. Um, so think about having a little mantra in your head, telling yourself that she's safe, she's warm, she's loved. She's just mad. <laughs> she's safe, <laughs> she's warm, she's loved. She's just mad. <laughs> um, and yeah. you're literally there. When you're using that gradual approach, you are literally there with your hands on her yeah you know, she's you okay are, she's mm. okay she's yeah. okay and so it's about managing yourself and you are okay too Elsa you, yeah. you're gonna be okay and this yep. won't last forever and when sleep um, improves you'll look back and go I'm so glad that I stuck with that and got through it one of the tips I often give parents who are struggling um, with their baby's big upset at these changes is to put on a pair of headphones and pick a song that's you know three four five minutes long that you really love and while you're sitting there just be really thinking about that song that you love think about the lyrics mm -hmm. in your head it can just be a really good distraction while you're padding you're still padding and shushing and calming your baby mm -hmm. but just having a, you know, a different literally a different soundtrack playing inside your mind can just really help mm. you manage those few minutes um, and stay calm because yeah for some parents it is a very you know we really really feel that um, and just know that you know we're not saying you're going to have to do this for the rest of your life it is just you're going to have mm -hmm. a few tricky settles and then she'll go oh okay well mum and dad they always just do this same thing every time not much changes mm -hmm. and she'll start to calm down you know probably quite quickly um, and you won't need the song yeah. playing in your head anymore and you'll feel really confident and able to manage those bedtimes um, yeah I think sort of going into that part of the question around um, should they practice unlatching her I would say yes. So read over the step two of the slow fade approach again. Um, have a really close read through that because with step two, you'd be putting her down completely awake in the cot um, and just doing the padding and shushing or padding and humming um, until she's asleep. So she should definitely be unlatched and going into the cot, yeah, awake and unlatched mm -hmm. um, for every settle. Um, yeah, so I think I'd just have yeah. a little read over that again just to make sure you got that all... Um, really clear and you're feeling really ready to, to dive into that. Yeah, and often um, with um, almost all of our approaches, the trick is, if there is a trick at all, it's to keep making progress. And mm. when you're using a more gradual approach, it is really important that you keep moving forward in the steps. Mm. Um, so one of your questions was whether you should be essentially adding in extra steps and, you know, switching it to a glacial approach. It's already a very gradual approach for an eight month old baby. Mm. Um, and there are lots of little changes that you're having to make. Um, and if you um, fall into the trap of whenever there seems to be a bigger pushback when you're making a change that you then go, oh, okay, now I'm going to go back to the previous step or go back right to the beginning, then it's going to be really hard to see the progress that you want to see. And it's mm. actually going to become a bit more distressing for your baby because she's not going to know at what point you might just 
pick her up out of the cot and put her back on again, at what point you might just carry on patting her, at what point you might hand her to your husband, at what point your husband might hand her back mm, to you. Yeah. Um, then there's a lot of uncertainty for your baby about what's happening at sleep time. And that in itself can lead to more crying because yes. she just doesn't understand what's going on. Mm, they get um, confused and, and they don't understand yeah. that you're reliably going to do the same things at bedtime. So there's that confusion, mm. but also that I don't know what's going to happen next. And that, I mean, for anyone's bedtime, you know, it's hard to fall asleep <laughs> yes. if you don't know what's going to happen next. Like if you've, you know, heard sounds outside your window, you don't just calmly put yourself to sleep. You're like, well, what's going to happen? You know, I want to stay awake and know what's going to happen next. Yes. And is that sound actually anything? So, yeah, thinking about it from, from her perspective, um, the best thing you can do is just decide exactly what you're going to do and just stick with it and help her adjust to that before you make another change. Um, yeah. Great. I want to thank the parents who sent in questions this last week because I think they are some fantastic questions and I think lots of parents um, hopefully would have found those answers quite helpful um, when thinking about your own baby or toddler's sleep. Um, and a big welcome to all the new members who've just recently joined Sunbell as well. We really look forward to hearing how you go and, and answering your questions as well. Um, a couple of little things. The first is um, coming up, I think it's another few weeks away, um, we're actually doing a, I think it's like an Instagram live webinar for the amazing people at Parents You've Got This. So if you don't follow Parents mm -hmm. You've Got This on Instagram, go and follow them. They essentially have a huge team of experts on different topics who deliver, um, you know, there's lots of different free webinars and things that you can take part in on all sorts of topics to do with early childhood development. Um, and we are their sleep experts. So I think it's the end of February sometime. Um, we're doing one that's all about introducing solids and working on sleep. So we'll be talking to the sleep stuff. Um, so go check it out. Um, and if you've got a little baby, sign mm. up for that one because it will be fantastic. Um, what other news do we have, Laura? Um, well, also at the end of February, um, we're doing the webinars again for um, one of the Melbourne Multiple Birth Associations. So mm. um, if you have um, twins, triplets, quads, um, then get in oh, touch yeah. with your Multiple <laughs> Birth um, <laughs> Association um, and see if they will be hosting um, the uh, webinar that I will be doing. It's in the evening. Um, I forget the date now off the top of my head, but we'll put it on our socials. Uh, mm. It's towards the end of February. I'm doing one for babies 0 to 12 months and one for toddlers. Um, and this is the second year that we're doing um, these talks for the um, one of the Melbourne Multiple Birth Associations. Um, and the recordings are available um, afterwards uh, to the um, members of the Multiple Birth Association. Mm. We mm. also have the webinars for the Raising Children's Network coming up again this year. There'll be a oh. baby sleep mm. webinar and a toddler webinar. Um, I don't recall the dates, but look, we put everything on our social media channels. So if you're not following along on Instagram or Facebook, go and find us, just Infant Sleep Australia. Um, we should pop up pretty easily because we'll be posting all of these different little free bits and pieces um, on those channels so that you're aware of them um, ahead of time. Also, um, we were looking the other day, weren't we, Laura? We have all these listeners all around the world, which is amazing. We've got people oh, yeah. in Spain and <laughs> Indonesia and Singapore and all these amazing places. Um, 
And a lot yes. of people listen to us but haven't subscribed. So do us a favour and just tick that little subscribe button and then you'll get updates when new episodes yeah. come out. Um, and thank you to those who have left us a five-star review. We absolutely love you. And if you've been listening in yes. and enjoying it, please go leave us a review. It really does help, um, you know, get us get more reach with other tired parents <laughs> yes absolutely and yeah I just wanted to second your welcome to all the new families we have had lots of new families um, join Sombell we're delighted that you found us um, and we look forward to hearing how um, you get along send us your questions um, and maybe we'll answer um, one of your questions over this podcast we'll let you know um, if we do we send you an email to uh, give you a heads up <laughs> Yeah, and look, on that note, I can hear my children stomping through the house, smashing doors closed, <laughs> pulling sprinklers out of the cupboard. They are ready to get out there on that trampoline. So <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. If you need help with your baby or toddler's sleep or settling, you need some bell. Sombell is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic program for babies and toddlers aged 0 to 3 years. It contains all the best resources from the sleep clinics at Infant Sleep Australia, so you can rest easy and so can your child. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au.